Welcome to 340B Insight from 340B Health. Hello from Washington, D.C., and welcome back to 340B Insight, the podcast about the 340B drug pricing program. I'm David Glendinning with 340B Health. Our guest today is Christine Jalowski, Senior Pharmacy Director at Hennepin Healthcare in Minneapolis. Hennepin invests 340B savings into an innovative coordinated care clinic that the system uses to provide comprehensive care to many of its patients who are frequent visitors to the emergency department. We wanted to speak with Chris about how that clinic came about and how it relies on 340B to increase patient access to healthcare in the communities it serves. But before we go to that interview, let's take a minute to cover some of the latest news about 340B. The Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services recently announced that it had taken a key step toward undoing Medicare outpatient drug payment cuts to many 340B hospitals that have been in effect since 2018. CMS has updated drug pricing files to pay the full outpatient drug payment rates for 340B purchases for the remainder of 2022. The agency also said it would reprocess any claims paid at the reduced rates since September 28th. That's the date a federal judge in Washington, D.C. ordered government officials to put an immediate end to cuts that the U.S. Supreme Court had unanimously decided were unlawful. The latest development does not affect payment rates for 2023, which CMS is still in the process of finalizing, nor does it indicate how the agency will provide remedies to affected hospitals for the nearly five years' worth of cuts that already have taken effect. And the drug company UCB is the latest to ask a federal court to block the government from requiring 340B pricing on drugs dispensed at contract pharmacies. UCB is one of 18 drug companies that have imposed such 340B pricing restrictions. The development means that all nine drug companies that the government has ordered to restore discounted pricing have sued over the matter rather than complying with the directives. Three federal appeals courts are considering lower court decisions on contract pharmacy lawsuits brought by other drug makers. The first oral arguments in those appeals are scheduled to occur today, October 24th. Visit the show notes to learn more. And now for our feature interview with Christine Jalowski with Hennepin Healthcare. Miles Goldman caught up with Chris at the most recent 340B Coalition Summer Conference to learn more about what Hennepin's Coordinated Care Clinic has achieved with the help of 340B Savings. Here's that conversation. Thank you, David. I'm joined by Christine Jalowski. Chris, I am excited to have you on the podcast today to talk about Hennepin Medical Center's Coordinated Care Clinic, which I think really will help us dive into what 340B looks like to a patient in need who needs uh, access to healthcare services. So welcome to 340B Insight. Well, thank you, Miles. I'm glad to be here, and I'm really glad to be talking about our coordinated care clinic at Hennepin Healthcare. Well, and, and we're here at the 340B Coalition Conference where, you know, talking about how 340B is used for clinical care is uh, one of the subjects we discuss here. So. I'm looking forward to diving into that, but before we do, just to 
give uh, our listeners some background. Tell me more about Hennepin Healthcare and the types of patients it cares for. Sure, glad to. Uh, we are a large tertiary care hospital and health system. We're located in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and basically we're the county hospital. That's probably the best way to look at it, even though our patients come from all over the county, the state, the United States for different types of care. We are safety net hospital for the area and the largest one, again, in the state for that. But we also service burn patients, trauma patients, pediatrics, a whole array of clinical situations. I think the biggest thing that makes us stand out, though, is we, depending on the year, we're 42 to 44 percent disproportionate share. So our patient population is underserved, underinsured, people who really need our help. They are, you know, in very difficult, complex situations. Let's talk more about this coordinated care clinic and and how it came about. Why did uh, Hennepin decide to open? You know, what we saw, which may not be different than a lot of other places, is with our population, they were using our emergency department for all their care, their primary care, their emergency care, their whatever they needed care. And I would say we had a lot of people that were frequent visitors to our emergency department. You know, and this is just not the appropriate place to provide care. Although these patients that we saw running through there were extremely complex, multiple diagnosis, multiple medications, completely uncoordinated care as they were coming through. And we'd see them routinely, 15, 16, 20 times a year, coming through our emergency department for various reasons. And what we realized is, you know, besides it's not the right place to provide them care, it's just not efficient, it's expensive, it doesn't help with the workflow, and we were not taking care of our patients the way we needed to. An emergency department is not where you provide more of that continual care that patients need. So when we stood up the center a while back, that's one of the things we did is we tried to identify those patients that we saw frequently in our emergency department. By looking at those that we saw frequent visits, we felt if we could have them come to the clinic instead of the emergency department, we could better focus on their needs. We, you know, it was formatted for patients that were not the emergency care, but we, you know, kind of nicely refer to this as kind of a acute care clinic. So our patients are critical, the care we provide meets their needs, but then also the way we provide care meets their needs, if that makes sense. It definitely does make sense, and there's a lot to break down there for us, which is, which, which is good. So let's look at this further. What types of patients does the clinic care for, and what services does the clinic provide? And as far as the types of patients, it's sort of all comers. What we identified were patients with at least three multiple different diagnoses, although we have some with literally, you know, 30, 40 different issues that they have going on for that. So they're very complex. Some of them are dealing with substance abuse disorder, whether that's drug or alcohol disorder. They're dealing with a lot of social issues, such as homelessness was one that we mentioned, or many of the social determinants of health issues, you know, being have, having access not only to home, having access to food, having access to transportation. And how do patients qualify to, to be part of the clinic? When we're talking about types of patients, one of the indicators is the emergency room visits. Three or more visits in a calendar year will trigger a referral to our coordinated care clinic. 
So this is just one, one way that we look and go, okay, this patient is visiting us and needing care via our emergency department. We should be able to route them through our coordinated care clinic. So that's a trigger. And that patient would be referred by a physician, probably an emergency room provider. And then they would be, they would meet with one of our providers in our clinics and a social worker just to assess the patient, assess their needs, assess their willingness to work with us because this is still a patient choice. And then we would set up appointments with them in clinic to have them come and visit and go through, kind of establish us as their primary care clinic. And so from there, continue to walk us through what a visit looks like for a patient. Most of the time when the patients are here, they're there to see a provider. So with that visit, they will go through what we normally would say would be a routine examination or visit, but these patients are dealing with behavioral and mental health issues. They're dealing with uh, substance abuse. They're dealing with all the other chronic diseases that patients deal with, you know, whether it's their diabetes or blood pressure management, whatever that is, that, they all, that also comes along with these patients. So they would see a healthcare provider and they would most likely also see a pharmacist during this time, a social worker to kind of assess where they're at, other issues that they have going on in their own lives. And then they'd also sit and talk with other people who can help them with, I will say, these outside needs, transportation, food, housing, things that we discuss on every visit to focus on how do we take care of the patient. We want to maximize the outcome of their therapies and their healthcare plan, but also look at ways that impacts their being able to succeed in the areas that we're looking at. Now, when you talk about a visit to our patients, we see our patients about an average of once a month, but we have many patients that we see more frequently, weekly, and there's a handful that we see on a daily basis so they can help manage their therapies and their care and visit us and kind of work their way through their lives. Tell me more about that relationship between the providers that are coming in and, and caring for the patients and the, and the patients, how that works. You know, this is a big part of our success because there's a lot of distrust. These patients have a lot of distrust in the healthcare system. Uh, they have a lot of distrust of medical providers. They have a lot of distrust of just the society in general. So we do need to build a trusting relationship with our patients so they know that we are trying to work with them. And this is not a judgment zone. We know that they're dealing with some very difficult things. We may not understand everything that they're going through, but we do have to be there for them. We like to use the term, meet the patient where they're at. And that is in whatever state they're in, whatever physical needs that they might have, whatever they're dealing with. While we try to schedule our patients to appointments, patients come in at any time. So as providers, we all have to be flexible and be willing to change our schedules throughout the day because of patient needs. And I think that's part of the building trust is these patients are dealing with situations that they don't plan for. And they know that they can come in, they can talk to a provider, they can talk to a social worker, they can talk to their dentist and receive care when they need it, whether that's scheduled or not. It really sounds like one-stop shopping. Mm -hmm. And that's what we try to do. It's very, you know, it's very high touch. You know, and I, I say that a little jokingly in the world of COVID where you don't have that, but it really is. We need to be present for these patients. This is not a group of patients that we can handle virtually. This is not a group of patients that we give them an 
instruction and we send them on their way. We need to follow up with their patients. We need to work with them and also verify that they had their prescriptions filled. They're able to take their medications. They understand directions and instructions. They're aware of when they need to return to clinic. They're aware of when they need to have tests drawn, et cetera. And we need to work with them on actually showing up again. So that's part of that. Do they have transportation? Do they have communications? Do they have a phone? How do we communicate with them? Because they do not have everything that we happen to have that we can be pinged on our computers or on other ways to go through. Well, based on everything you've, you've told us there, is there a story about a patient you have treated in clinic that you think brings all this together? Oh, I, you know, we, have, we do have so many stories. I think our best one is we had a patient that actually had 12 pages of medications. So obviously this not only highlights issues going on within this patient's lives, it also shows how uncoordinated care really is because this patient was seeing multiple providers and nobody was overseeing everything that he was doing. Uh, when we met with one of our pharmacists, it took a while, but going down from 12 pages of medications down to four, so still quite a few when you consider how many lines there are on a, on a given page, but we were able to identify not only getting to the root of some of the medical issues that they were trying to treat, but also identify problems caused by medications and caused, you know, in treatment and overtreatment, along with not necessarily using the medications as prescribed. And hearing from the patients, I think just getting their lives back and also knowing that they can develop a trusting relationship, that they can develop a relationship with a healthcare provider without judgment. You know, they can come in, they can talk about what's going on in their lives, they can withhold information, they can provide information. But they do know that we care about them and we will validate that they understand their next appointment. We will ask them about medications, we will repeat things, we will follow up with them with a phone call, with a check, whatever that is, to assure that we're focusing on their outcomes and their care. That's really personal care there, and which is great. And when we look at all this, what role does 340B play in operating the clinic? Oh, uh, you know, we kind of use the term, what could we not do without $30 million? If that, you know, so that makes sense. It is supporting everything that we do in our coordinated care clinic and other things that we have going on at Hennepin Healthcare. We are able to provide someone to assist with housing. We are able to get the medications to the patient. We are able to have staff that can meet with a patient every week and fill a pillbox and talk to them about what is in that pillbox so they understand the importance of taking their medications, doing it on time. We are able to see that patient routinely and talk to them. So we look at, they come in, they get the care they need. They are in a system that works best for them, not the emergency room, not, not even receiving care. So from that standpoint, 340B helps us care for hundreds of patients that would not be seen or not be seen in the appropriate setting. What has the clinic meant in terms of reducing those emergency department visits? When we started this, we did look at comparing what it costs us to care for the patients in the emergency room and what we're seeing now. We've seen a decline in the number of visits that they're seeing. We've seen a decline in the number of medications that we're using. We've seen a, a drastic decline in the cost of caring for these patients. 
Now, the flip side is, of course, we're seeing more clinic visits. But those clinic visits overall are less expensive to our healthcare systems, which means we're not using our money and our resources where they should not be used. And we're able to move it to where we really can benefit the patient. So yes, we've seen that increase in the number of clinic visits for all of the patients, which is our goal. We stood up this clinic to help these patients and they're using it. And they depend on us and they know that they are healthier. The reality is we have some of our patients that are alive because we're able to work with them. We're able to get them the care that they need. We're able to get them the frequency of care that they need. And we're able to do it on their time frame. That's all really great to hear that those are the results you're, you're seeing from the clinic. And a lot of what we've been discussing here relates to social determinants of health, which is uh, you know, a terminology that has become really big in the last few years. And I think it's, you know, it's something everyone strives for, but I think we, we sometimes hear about barriers. And so I wanted to hear your perspective on what some of the barriers for hospitals and the healthcare systems are to address social determinants of health and how the Coordinate Care Clinic has been able to overcome them. You know, one thing I've mentioned is that appointment piece. A lot of our patients cannot manage the rigidity of showing up for an appointment. So they know that we're there. They know when they need care, when they need to see us, or when they're available. We are open for them. They get there as soon as they can in some cases. They don't have transportation. Some of them rely on the local train or the local bus system or depend on taxis that may or may not show up. Distrust of the medical system. That is another big thing, whether it's they don't care for providers, they don't want to be vaccinated, they don't like decisions, they've had bad experiences. Uh, In some cases, they don't see providers that look like them. So we need to build a trust with our patients, and that's important from the start. And that's an understanding of everyone that works in this clinic, is they know these patients are going through very difficult situations. We know these patients have very complex medical needs in addition to family issues and educational issues and living on the streets or not having food or not having enough money to pay for fill in the blank. Uh, We also know that these people make decisions that they may not agree with. We still care for them and the patients know that. So we suspend judgment and we take care of the patients regardless of where they come from, regardless of their insurance, regardless of whatever their needs are. So you know it's going to take a long time to see baby steps for some. And it takes a lot of perseverance. It takes a lot of persistency in the care. But we're working with some fabulous human beings, and we're able to care for some fabulous human beings that trust us for their care. And that's important. We're so glad you're doing this work and and that you've taken the time to share all of this with us today, Chris. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us here at the 340B Coalition Summer Conference. And we wish you and the the team the best of luck as you continue to pursue this great work. Thank you. I appreciate being here. Our thanks again to Christine Jalowski for discussing the inspiring approach that Hennepin Healthcare took with its coordinated care clinic and for sharing best practices with her peers in the 340B world. We deeply admire the commitment of health professionals such as Chris to persevering through challenges to serve all their patients in need, no matter where they are coming from or what their life circumstances might be. 
We are celebrating all such patient care successes from the past decades as we approach next month's 30th anniversary of 340B's enactment. Please be sure to listen to our very special episode in a few weeks when we will be speaking with a lawmaker who was one of the primary architects of 340B in 1992. If you have not done so already, please subscribe to the podcast so you can hear our interview with Congressman Henry Waxman the day it comes out. In the meantime, as always, thanks for listening and be well. Thanks for listening to 340B Insight. Subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information, visit our website at 340bpodcast.org. You can also follow us on Twitter at 340B Health and submit a question or idea to the show by emailing us at podcast at 340bhealth.org.